This episode, we can live with regrets. The ride's not over yet. Welcome back to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. We are continuing our look at record labels that influenced influenced us, record labels that we loved growing up. And this time, uh, Aaron's sitting down with Tim Rogner of the band Alistair. Now, Tim holds a pretty unique spot in this series because his band Alistair was actually one of the first bands to be signed to Drive Through Records and to release an album on Drive Through. So he kind of has has been there for the whole thing. He's seen the whole ride. Uh, so they talk about that. They talk about what it was like to be on that label in the early days and also kind of that swing that happened, that boom, that growth that happened in the early 2000s. Uh, so they talk about what that ride was like. And of course, uh, Tom, uh, Tim, I should say, shares his five favorite releases from Drive Through Records as well. So before we get into it, let's get the housekeeping out of the way. Go follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, at Growing Punk Pod. You'll find our personal Instagrams and Twitters there as well. Uh, you can find us at growingpunkpod.com. We've got merch there. We've got our Patreon there uh, if you just want to be a monthly supporter. We've also got some some blogs and reviews that we write from time to time. And uh, of course, we're on YouTube and all your favorite podcast apps. Wherever you're listening or watching this, make sure you rate, review, subscribe, all that kind of good stuff. Tell your friends about the show. Let's not waste any more time, though. It's Aaron sitting down with Tim Rogner of Alistair sharing his five favorite drive through records releases. California-based independent record label owned by Richard and Stephanie. The label was partially responsible for popularizing the pop-punk emo sound of the early to mid-2000s. So normally when I have uh, bands on, I kind of ask, you know, how did you first come to hear of this label or, you know, it was the first release? But you guys were, Alistair was one of the first bands that signed to Drive Through. is that correct? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, they, I think Drive Through numbered their releases. Um, and I think we had the number six release. Yeah, that's um, crazy. So, yeah, we were definitely one of the first bands. So, how did that, like, kind of take us through kind of what was happening in the music scene at that time? Like, what was Alistair, you know, doing at that point when you signed to Drive Through? You know, a lot of the kind of hit releases, so to speak, weren't released yet. So, what was. You know, what attracted you to the label and kind of all that stuff? Yeah, you know, it was actually almost on a whim that we we kind of got in contact with Drive Through. We had um you know, we had been playing around the Chicago land area um for about two years or so. Um and playing you know, like in some of the surrounding states at small shows in, in Indiana and Wisconsin, Milwaukee and St. Louis. Um, basically anywhere and everywhere that we could. Um, and we recorded a demo tape ourselves just in the basement of, of my parents' house. Um, and we were selling it at our shows and we were like, well, why don't we just like send this to some record labels? And we were like, okay, that sounds like a good idea. I wasn't really in charge of, of doing that. It was our other guitar player, John at the time. Um, and he had known a lot of different record labels. That's kind of what he was into um and so he looked up um a whole bunch of addresses for record labels and stuff and just started sending our demo tape out and we probably sent out 
don't know, 15, 16, 17. Um, and one of the ones that he sent out happened to be to drive through and drive through happened to be one of the only labels that actually responded and mm. wrote us a letter back. Uh, there was one other label that did as well. And I honestly, I don't remember who they were right now. Um, but we got this letter from drive through in the mail and it said, Hey, you know, we're kind of a small up and coming label. Uh, we really like your sound, but we want to hear a little bit more from you guys. And we were like, wow, this is like really encouraging. Like a label actually has some interest in us. You know, yeah. they weren't, they didn't want us to sign any contracts just yet. Um, but they were definitely interested in, in our music. And we thought that was really cool. Fortunately enough for us, we had already planned on recording um, a seven inch ourselves, like in a real studio with a real engineer. Um, and so we, we went ahead and we did that and we released it ourselves um, it was a seven inch called you can't do that on, on vinyl. Um, and so we sent a copy to drive through and they were like, we really like this. We want to help you guys put this out. And so that's where the relationship between us and drive through kind of started. So we, we pressed, um, I think by ourselves as a band, I think we pressed like 500 copies of that seven inch and we started selling them at our shows and then after we sent it to drive through, they were, you know, they wanted to do kind of like a distribution deal with us and, and help us sell that record and press some more and then wanted us to do a full length record. So they repressed that seven inch. Um, I think they pressed like a thousand. So I, th I think there's only like 1500 copies of that record in print right now. Um, and then things just kind of went from there. So that was, that was, drive throughs number six release was that seven inch. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. a year, I think it was a year later, maybe a year and a half later was when we actually recorded our full length record. And so at, at that point, you know, was it still a pretty small label when you guys did that first album? Like were things like, what was the kind of, um, kind of the gradual, you know, climb of that label, like w with your band, you know, kind of how did you see that shifting or at what point, you know, was it shifting? Yeah. So we, um, you know, when we signed on to do that first record, um, we, we didn't really know any of the bands on, on drive through. And then this, I think it was the summer of 1998. Um, the RX bandits went on tour and they came and they played, um, at a record shop, like in our town and we opened. And so we got to meet them and they were just the coolest guys. They were just the nicest people. And we were like, wow, we, you know, we're going to be like label mates. We're recording a record with drive through. Um, so it was cool to kind of meet other people on the label. Um, so we got to meet them. Um, they were the first band on drive through that we actually met. Um, and, and they had a record out on drive through. I think they had like the number four release or, oh, okay. or something like that. Um, their first record, um, drive through had, a, had another band called cousin Oliver, um, at the time, um, that was kind of a ska punk band. They had another band called unleaded plus mm. that I think maybe put out an EP and then disbanded, or maybe they put out one record and then disbanded. We never actually got to meet them. Um, and then when we did, when we did our first record, there was a band called mother mania, um, that drive through had just signed as well. So those were the first kind of five ish bands, 
um, and and our expandents were the ones we got to know the best. Yeah, I, I don't really recognize any of those those bands. What's what's been interesting is I've, you know, as we're going through each label, you know, I go on Wikipedia, I look at the, the discography, and it's amazing with some of these labels that it's like, oh yeah, I, like I listen to all these bands, and I look through, and it's like, oh okay, you know, there's a, a handful, you know, with most labels that you know some of the earlier ones, maybe some of the ones that you know didn't get as popular or whatever, and. So that's that's cool. You kind of came up with that, and so was Alistair kind of one of the only ones, I guess, RX Bandits as well. You know, out of those that kind of kept going with the label. I don't I don't recognize the rest of those kind of putting up. Yeah, more. I think out of those, you know, the first five or six bands that signed, um, you know, we had some pretty good longevity. Um, I think they signed River Phoenix to well at the time they were called River Phoenix, right? Um, and then they changed their name to Phoenix TX. But they 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 were signed, I think, right, right maybe right before us or right around the same time. Um, but I, and I, you'll have to forgive me, my memory is a little hazy. Yeah, no, I don't remember good. exactly yeah. what happened. But they put out a record, and then I think they broke up for a little while, like two years, and then they kind of went on to do some other things. But then they got back together, I think, and maybe released another record on Drive Through. Um, I, I don't remember exactly how it went, but I know uh, during the first two years that we were on drive through uh, or maybe middle couple years, um, I don't remember Phoenix TX doing a whole lot or River Phoenix doing a whole lot. So I think something happened with them in the middle. Right. Well, and then they, they kind of jumped to a major MCA or something for their kind of their first full length. and Yeah. Yeah. It was something like that. Yeah. So what was it like growing with a label that, you know, that grew so much from, you know, from you guys signing to, you know, whatever it was that you guys ended, like there was, you know, so much like crazy stuff was happening there. What was that like being a part of a label that was, you know, such a staple of, of the scene and, you know, so many bands were blowing up? Yeah, it was it was really weird um, because honestly, like we didn't realize it, you know, like we didn't fully appreciate what was happening you know because i think we were in the middle of it and like we were the type of band and maybe this is just our personalities like we we had virtually no interest in like fame we had no interest in like getting big we had no interest in like you know selling tons and tons of records we just liked going out and playing you know punk rock um and so we didn't really come at it from that angle um and then we started to see some of these bands that drive through sign get bigger and bigger and bigger. And for us, it was like, well, this is pretty cool. Like we're just kind of along for this ride, you know, this is like just going to help us out a lot. Um, and we, we felt like we didn't necessarily have to compromise a lot of the, you know, the musical integrity, whatever musical integrity we thought we had, you know, at the time. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I think for us, it was, it was fun watching it happen all around us um, and kind of seeing a lot of these other bands get a lot bigger than we did. Um, you know, it was, it was pretty cool, but we also saw it at our shows that how we were kind of the benefactors of that, you know, right. how more and more kids started kind of showing up at our shows too. So it was cool. I mean, it was definitely, definitely interesting, but it wasn't really something that we were cognizant of at the time. I don't think it was until after our last, the last record that we did with drive through when that record came out, we kind of had to take a step back and be like, 
Jesus, this this label's pretty fucking big, you know. Like, there's a lot of really big bands on this record label now. Yeah, so. was was it one of those situations where you know maybe you were opening for a band that was bigger than you, but they were a lot newer than you? Like, did that cause any kind of like tension, or was it like you said you were just kind of happy to play regardless of you know um, how much time you'd put in or whatever? I think, I mean, I think human nature is to be slightly jealous of other bands that get more popular than you uh, sometimes. Um, but, you know, it never let it, like, we never let that really bother us again, because we didn't really care that much. Yeah. You know, like in our minds, it was, it was like, well, it would be awesome if we were playing to 2000 people like newfound glory too. But what are we, why are we going to get pissed about that? You know, right. like that seemed kind of a ridiculous thing for us to be upset about. Um, but it was interesting at the beginning, you know, taking newfound glory on the road with us and having them open some of our shows, you know, or like midtown opening a couple of our shows or the starting line open some of our yeah. shows or, um, you know, the early November opening our shows, uh, Finch opened one of our headlining shows in California, you know, like all, a lot of these bands opened for us at some point. We took fallout boy, not that they're on drive through, but we took fallout boy on their very first tour ever. Wow. Um, and spent, you know, like three weeks on the road with those guys and, you know, super cool. And now they're gigantic, you know? Yeah. Um, so it was, it was, it was strange a little bit seeing all these bands get really popular. Um, and like I said, I, I think there was maybe a, a twinge of jealousy here and there, just more so from the standpoint, like, is it going to be our turn? Like, are we ever going to, you know, achieve that level where we can consistently sell out, you know, a thousand capacity venues or 2000 capacity venues or, or whatever the case is. Um, but it didn't, it didn't hinder us from making the music that we wanted to write or, or playing the shows that we wanted to play or doing things the way that we wanted to kind of do them. Yeah. And did you ever feel like pressure, like from a label or, I mean, like you said, you kept making the music you wanted to, but was there ever, you know, conversations of like, well, maybe if we, you know, this seems to be working for this band, like what if we kind of added some of that in, or was that too kind of copycat thinking and you were, you know, straight enough to just do what you were going to do. And, you know, if it worked great, if not, at least you were still happy with the music you were making. Yeah, that's primarily how it was. Um, we were happy with the music that we were making. Um, the record label was happy with the music that that we were making. I can remember, I think, one conversation, maybe two conversations, where they suggested that we rewrite a part of a song or we tweak a part here or tweak a part there. Um, but, it, you know, it was it was just a passing kind of thought they they let us have pretty much full control over you know what we wanted to do um i think as a band internally for us was where some of the conflict or the the majority of the conflicts came from mm. not that there was a lot um but you know the the conflict that we did have came internally from the band because we did kind of grow up on that old school punk rock ethos you know yeah of everything's DIY. You just set up in a garage or in a bar or in a bathroom and you just play and you, you turn up loud and you know, you give it 120% and you know, you just 
get drunk and have, have fun. Um, as we got older and as we started touring more, some of us wanted to experiment a little more with, um, the dynamics of the band like uh, how can we expand our 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 musical variety like should we add pianos here should we add synth- synthesizers should we add um you know f- pedals like you know different sort of tones like delay pedals like what what do we do should we incorporate into that stuff to make our music a little bit different um and there were you know there were some arguments here and there uh, but nothing that really ever set us back. And I think all all four of us are still really happy with every single thing that we put out the way that we wanted to do it. Yeah. Well, I think that's the most important thing. You know, like in that moment, I could see how there would be that temptation to, you know, maybe try this or that. But now that that time has passed and you can look back, right, it's better to be happy with what you did because you stuck to your guns instead of maybe branching off trying to see if that would help popularity. But then looking back and be like, oh, that was stupid. Why did we why did we do that? So and then it's I mean, the music scene is such a like luck draw of the card, right? Like even if you try doing that, it doesn't mean it was going to work for you just because it worked for another band like there's so many things that go into it, and so it it, it yeah. is always good to hear when a band is, you know, even if they don't really know it in the moment, that they can kind of work past that, and you know, just keep doing what you know what they're passionate about doing in the first place. Yeah, and I think a lot of I think of a lot of bands, just any band's success in general comes from being honest, you know, and being who they are. You know, you as a musician you know, it's fun to experiment and try new things, but also I think you want to be honest with yourself and create the music that you're capable of creating and not make it so obvious that you're trying to step so far out of your zone that it just, it sounds fake now, you know, like I think if Alistair tried to make a record that sounded like Finch, it would be disastrous. You know, it wouldn't, (laughs) you know, it would just be ridiculous. It wouldn't sound like us, even though Finch was an enormously popular band and they had a lot of popular songs and that style was really popular for a while. Yeah. If Alistair tried to do that, it would sound utterly ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, like I said, it's good to know that before doing something because that can just be kind of a train wreck and then, yep. You know, you kind of work yourself into a hole. But, yeah, well, let's get into uh, into some of these records from Drive Through that you picked. So I asked you to pick kind of five favorites or five that stand out. And um, there's a few in here that I'm very familiar with and a few that I'm not so much. And so the, I, I like that about this. It kind of gives me an opportunity to, to learn about some, some bands as well. So the first one we're going to touch on is a band called The Benjamins and their album The Art of Disappointment. Killing my butt 
stand Old green couch But it feels like home again Molly Ringwald Me and you Sixty candles Lonely summers I blew it all again It's kind of funny was released in February 2001. So this is one of those bands that, that when I looked at your list, I was like, the Benjamins? I don't think I've ever heard of that band before. So I went back and tried to look up some stuff about them, and there's not a whole lot of information out there on them. So what can you tell me about, about this band and album and why it's a, a standout for you? Uh, the Benjamins were a band from Milwaukee um, that signed to drive through not too long, uh, after us. Um, we put out our record. Um, we put out our very first record. Alistair put out our very first record, um, called dead ends and girlfriends. And we toured on that record for about a year and a half. And, um, as on one of the last tours that we did for that record, probably in 2001, uh, just before the Benjamins record came out, we took the Benjamins on tour with us because um, they had just signed with drive through and we were booking a tour at the time and drive through asked us, Hey, you know, can you guys take this band along with you guys um, with their brand new band that we just signed? And we're like, yeah, you know, like we'd heard a couple of their songs and we thought they were pretty cool. And we're like, yeah, let's do it. And so we toured with those guys for about a month. Um, and from what I remember, it was, it was pretty, I think it was a full nationwide tour. Um, if not, it was at least in the Midwest and on the West coast. Um, but we were gone for a while and it, I, it was like one of the funnest tours I've ever done. Like mm -hmm. those guys are absolutely amazing. Like everybody in the band, it was just so much fun. And, and we were all fairly new to touring, you know, like Alistair had done a couple tours, two or three, um, and I think maybe the Benjamins had done one. Um, so it was all kind of new and exciting for us. And so we were all kind of experiencing this whole record label uh, touring life together. Um, and so we became really good friends with those guys. Um, and then their record came out and we actually got to visit them 
in the recording studio in Hollywood when they were recording that record. Um, and it's, it's one of my favorite drive-through releases. Like everything on that record is great from start to finish. Like it's super catchy. Um, you know, it's, it sounds great, but there's a, an element of rawness that's, uh, I think kind of comes out with it too. Um, Jay was a great lyricist. So there's a lot of really good lyrics in there. I know he takes a lot from Dr. Frank, uh, from, uh, the Mr. T experience, you know, they're big Weezer fans. So you can hear those influences come through too. Um, it's just, there's, there's not a bad song on that record. Um, it's just, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely enjoyed listening through it last week. Uh, it was, you know, different than I expected it was going to be. And, you know, kind of took some time to kind of think on the songs, but yeah, a pretty, pretty unique release. Did they do anything after that or do you know? No, uh, they, they broke up probably a year after that record came out um, oh, Okay, and went on a couple of the guys went on, um, to play in some other bands. Um, I know, um, the drummer, John played in a band called Limbeck, uh, for okay. a while. Um, and then he played in this other band called the obsoletes, which is another one of my favorite bands. They're kind of like a, kind of like a Tom Petty type band. Okay. Um, if you get a chance to check it out, it's, it's fucking ridiculously good. It's so good. Um, and I, but I don't know what the other guys are doing, um, right now. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, let's move on. Well, now we're going to talk about Finch, what it is to burn.
was released on March 12th, 2002. So this is one of the ones that I'm a lot more familiar with. This one definitely made it to the small town I was in at the time. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, at this time, you know, bands like Finch and The Used, you know, where there was more kind of a screaming element where, you know, that that was blowing up at the time. And um, so what what can you tell me about Finch and this album and any experiences you, you know, had playing shows with them during this time? Finch was one of those bands for me that that was able to they were kind of a bridge for me i i didn't i don't really like hardcore too much um and i don't necessarily like like screamo or if yeah. that, you know if that's the, the label you want to put on it right uh, i'm not a huge fan of that but finch was kind of that bridge for me they were able to put together a record in such a way that it was both kind of pop like had a lot of really catchy elements with what i think of as like good good quality screaming like it's it's not screaming just to scream it's actually well thought out um and it's structured well in the song um and again there's there's maybe one song on that record that i tend to skip over um but there's some just crushers on that song like songs that are so big and so good that you have to listen to them over and over again you know because the hooks are just so big and they're so good and that's what i like like that's what i that's the type of music that i gravitate to is like pop songs with huge catchy hooks yeah like that's my favorite type of music so finch was able to kind of be that that bridge for me which is why i like them so much yeah i was listening to uh listening through that one last week and yeah, I'm just always, when I put it on, you know, there's the standout tracks and then there's other ones that come on. It's like, oh man, I forgot about this song. Like, it's just such a great album. And, you know, I, I definitely was a bit disappointed that, you know, their follow-up was quite a bit different. You know, that's, I, I get that bands want to change and evolve. And, um, you know, I remember reading some articles how some of the band members just didn't want to do, you know, what it is to burn part two and, uh, what's your what's your thought kind of when a band you know especially like this where they were almost kind of a part of defining a certain genre or part of the scene and then the follow-up is you know quite different not necessarily drastically different but was was quite different is that something that kind of throws you off or as a musician are you kind of all all four bands just doing whatever they need to do to be creative i think it's kind of a fine line um you know i think I'm all for musicians experimenting um, and, and trying new things. Um, and I get that the guys in the band, you know, were kind of like, we don't want to just make what it is to burn part two. We want to do something different because as a musician, that's what you want to do. You want to push yourself. You want to expand your capabilities. You want to try new things. I think that what happened with Finch is that they didn't, their record was so good they didn't have enough time to really sit in that moment right with their fans um i think had they put out one more record that was closer to what it is to burn and then put out well i forget what was it called hello sunshine or hello sunshine yeah Yeah. i think had they put out a record after what it is to burn that was closer sounding to that record and then put out hello sunshine i think it would have been a little bit more well received because um they 
more likely would have gradually morphed into that sound and right. and fans can morph with the band you know it wouldn't have been such a drastic change because i think people generally are adverse to change you know when it's just smashed right in front of their face their initial right. reaction is like what the fuck is this like this is weird i don't like it yeah you know without having sat on it for a little while yeah did um, you I... sorry go ahead yeah no i was just gonna say i actually listened to hello sunshine fairly recently like maybe a month or two ago um and i do like it i, I don't love it but i do like it there's some good songs in there and there's some interesting parts to a lot of those songs which is what they were going for yeah which is why i'm happy for them you know i think that's cool when bands can do that yeah did you have like any experiences with them on this tour or this album tour cycle and did you like was did you notice you know a shift in kind of how it was received or the shows not on hello sunshine um we really only toured with them um when they were doing what it is to burn um, oh, okay and you know, we kind of watched them. <laughs> I'll never, I'll never forget. At um, it might have been, it might have been their record release show, or maybe it was our record release show. I don't know. We were playing with them at some some point. Uh, there was this club in in um, in Orange County uh, called Chain Reaction, and I'll yeah. never forget. Like they showed up like in a minivan, and they were just like pulling like gear out of the minivan, like guitars with like no cases like just snare drums like sticks were laying around like you know it's just like the most haphazard shit of all time and i was like what who is this band like these guys just signed with drive feel like okay i'm like i'm sure they're gonna be good and then they played and it was awesome i was like well this is really cool um but it was just funny thinking back to like that first time i saw them and how they loaded in and just like the whole vibe behind it um, and then seeing how how big they got and seeing how good their record was, yeah, you know, it's it's cool to see that. Like I I like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's cool to to see the progress of a band and to kind of be there in the moment too is, is something special. Mm-hmm. So the next one up is RX Bandits Progress. <laughs> Inspirations hit the gun now Not good 
don't say no worries. Pleading protest, I grab my heart and scream out the. was released on July 17th, 2001. Uh, this is one I'm not as familiar with. What, what can you tell me about this album and why it stands out to you? So Progress, I believe, was the RX Bandit's second album. Um, and I'm trying to remember. No, I believe it was their third album. Uh, because I think halfway between here and there was their second album. So Progress was their third album. What I like so much about this record is that this is when the RX Bandits really started to kind of come into their own. Um, it's where they really dove headfirst into talking about politics. Um, they started writing songs that were that weren't just really like ska songs. Yeah, um, they were diverse musically. Um, and they really started showing their musicianship on this record, um, which if you I don't, have you seen them live before? No, I haven't. Um, they are like, it's not even close. Um, it's not even close. The, the Args Bandits are far and away the best musicians that were ever on drive through. Wow. Um, and the best musicians, in my opinion, to ever put out a record on drive through. Um, just their grasp of music is phenomenal. Um, and the stuff that they can do really started to take shape on that record progress. Um, they, they didn't quite, they didn't get all the way there. I think they got all the way there on the record after that, which I think is called the resignation. Um, but progress is where they first started showing those signs and proving how good they actually really were. Um, and it, and it blows my mind, like just, seeing what they do now and like all of the musical stuff that they do right now. Um, you know, it's not the music that they made wasn't always necessarily like my favorite go-to, but it was always the band that I appreciated the most and had by far the most respect for on mm. the record label because of the way that they approached what they did um, in the way that they went about their business um, yeah. and, and just the music that they put out. You know, I like it a lot. I really do. Well, and there, there's something special about, about knowing those things. Like when you, 
You know, you spend time with a band that, you know, for a listener that just puts on an album, you're not necessarily going to, it's not going to come through that. Like, oh, these guys are, you know, really good musicians or really technical or nerdy about gear or whatever, right? Lots of stuff just doesn't translate through through the music. But when you kind of have that extra experience, you know, especially if you can see it live, like that can make all the difference. And so that's what's really cool about hearing about these records that, you know, maybe weren't as big or maybe just ones I don't know as much. Because if I just went and listened to it, I would just say, you know, it sounds good to me or it doesn't sound good to me. But I don't have all those other experiences that kind of make me, you know, give a bit more time to it and be like, okay, like I want to listen to this a bit more because, you know, I have this extra information that makes my ear kind of listen a little bit more intently. So, yeah, Yeah, that's that's really cool. But but you probably have those records too that remind you of a certain place or a certain time or yeah. you know you know you have those memories from a certain record and you bring that to the record when you listen to it right and so yeah. you like that record more so because of it and it's the same thing when you know a band and you you kind of grew up with them a little bit and you kind of you know followed them for a while and you understand what it is that they're doing you know. It's, that's that's what I bring to the RX Bandits when I listen to their records. Yeah, well, it's awesome. I love that kind of insight. And the next one is Homegrown Kings of Pop.
was released in 2002. Uh, I love this album. We had Adam uh, from the band on the show a few months ago to talk about this album, and uh, awesome dude. This is, yeah, one of those bands that, uh, you know, they, they kind of, it was really poppy. It kind of, you know, the lyrics were a bit kind of more humorous or whatever, mm-hmm. but the melodies were so good. It was super catchy. I remember this one specifically because I'd heard, you know, songs from the previous albums on compilations or something. It was like, okay, it's it's okay. And then this album came out and it was just seemed like it was so far above what the what the, the rest of the albums they'd released and and so I was instantly a fan and you know, I was a bit sad in that. I think this was their the last full length that they that they released on drive through. But uh yeah. yeah, let's hear your thoughts on this one. Yeah, so homegrown, man. Those guys so, you know, I think if I say that the RX Bandits were the band that I appreciated the most um, and appreciated their music the most, Homegrown was the band that I liked the most, mm-hmm. like as people in the band that we got along with the best. Um, you know, from the minute that we met those guys, the first time we ever met them was actually in Japan. Um, we we got offered to do a tour like a six or seven day tour in Japan with those guys, like in 2001, I want to say, or maybe it was early 2002. And from the minute that we met those guys, we were like super good friends. You know, it's like, it just clicked. We just thought about things the same, you know, we just kind of went about our business the same way. And it was just so much fun. And we did a lot of touring with them afterwards too. We played a lot of shows. We ended up, we ended up stealing their guitar tech and stealing their merch guy and stealing their sound <laughs> guy. And so they all came and toured with us um, after, you know, homegrown stopped touring for a while. So we just kind of picked up with those guys. Yeah. Awesome. So we had that connection with them too. Um, I grew up listening to homegrown, you know, like when I was in high school, uh, I think my senior year in high school was when their first record that's business came out. Um, and I love that record. It was like one of my favorite records. And then, um, what was the one after that act your age? I think it was called. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that record too. And so when I heard that they were signing with drive through, I was like, fuck, yes, this is amazing. Like I'm going to be label mates with a band that I already know like their music and I already love, you know, and it was so cool to be able to meet them and like them after liking their music. You know, because there's always that fear, I think, sometimes when you, you know, you really like a band and you're a little worried to meet them because you don't want them to be dicks. Yeah. You know? yeah. And then that, that just ruins the band for you. Um, but no, I mean, we met Homegrown and, and they were amazing. And, and they are still like every single guy in that band and everyone that worked for them. Like I said, they toured with us for a while. I love all those guys. We still keep in touch every once in a while. Yeah, right on. What what are some of your favorite kind of standout moments on the album or or songs or is it just kind of aesthetically this album or, or is it more the, the kind of personalities of them and the memories with them? Yeah, I think that's a lot of what it is. I mean, I, there's a lot of songs on that record I like. I mean, You're Not Alone is a great song. Um, was it, is Kiss Me, Diss Me on that record? Yeah, yeah. I think it is. I like that song too. Um you know, there's a bunch of good songs on that record. Um, and it doesn't, it's, it's another one of those records that I don't think there's like a bad song, you know, like I don't really skip over it. I don't 
feel like eh, I could do without this song. Right. You know, it's just it's good from start to finish. Yeah. Um, and I love records like that. Even if you don't love every song, like it's I find these days it's pretty rare to listen to an entire record and not find at least one or two songs that you're like, this sucks. I'm yeah, skipping yeah. over it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, that definitely, you know, attests to a band when they can when they can do that. And so it's yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Oh, the last one here is Houston Calls, Collection of Short Stories.
August 2nd, 2005. Uh, this is a band I probably know more just from like seeing in magazines. You know, as soon as I see that, that artwork with the snare drum and paint, it's like, man, I remember, I remember seeing this all over. Um, yeah, I, I don't know it as much. I was listening through it again last week and and uh, just to kind of get a feel for it. And yeah, it definitely sounds like it's something I could have liked. I think it was just one of those bands that, for whatever reason, just kind of got lost in the shuffle or whatever. So why does this one stand yeah. out to you? Yeah, uh, this one stands out to me again because, like I said, I'm a huge fan of, of big hooks and catchy melodies. Um, and this record has all of that. Yeah. Like every song has some sort of big catchy hook to it. Um, and we toured with these guys uh, for a little bit too. And they were really cool. Um, they were a lot of fun. They were new. I don't want to say newer, um, but they were a younger band. Right. Um, you know, when we toured with them. And so it was kind of fun to kind of show them the ropes and show them what touring was all about. Um, and so, so that was pretty cool. I have a lot of good memories about that tour with them. Um, but this, in this record, this record kind of needed to grow on me a little bit, you know, like I saw them live um, before I heard the record. Um, and I knew a couple of the guys uh, before they were even in this band, just from the days that we would tour in New Jersey, we would stay at people's houses. Um, yep. We used to stay at Jared's house quite a bit, actually. Um, he was in this other band called Face First. Okay. Um, and you know we used to play with them they were like a ska band uh and and so then when houston calls formed you know we took them out on the road and i saw them live first and i was like okay it's cool i like some of the songs but like you don't always get a feel for songs live unless you're like really zoned in listening to it yeah, so i kind sure. of would listen to them like peripherally while i was you know in the dressing room or like changing my guitar strings or whatever and i was like oh that's cool and then I would listen to the record and I was like, oh, that's a good song. And then I would listen to the record some more. And I was like, well, that's a good song too. And well, here's another really good song. And I, and that kept happening. Like I kept listening to these songs over and over again. I was like, wait, that song's actually really good. And so that record really grew on me a lot. Um, I haven't listened to it actually in a while. So I'm going to go back and do that. Um, but it's, I, I really like it. It's, it's really, really good. It's, at least in my opinion, it's probably one of the most underrated records that drive through. Well, technically, I don't know if it actually came out on drive. I think it came out on Rushmore. Oh, but whatever. Okay. It's still, yeah, it's yeah. still drive through. Yeah. Um, but I think it's the most underrated record that drive through ever released. Wow. Um, wow. That's a yeah. pretty good uh, so, recommendation for those listening. If you have not listened to the Houston calls record, go listen to it because it's really good. I promise you. Yeah, awesome! Wow, thanks so much for uh, for sharing about those five albums and and uh, yeah, l lots of lots of extra stuff in there too. Uh, so, kind of to wrap up, uh, we were kind of talking about this before I uh, hit record, but kind of what are you doing musically now? You know, if anything, how are you kind of staying creative? You know, the last you know even decade or whatever since um, Alistair, you know, called it quits. What's yeah? How how are you still involved in music and anything that uh, people can check out? So we, so Alistair has, um, we just put out a record, uh, two years ago in 2019. It's kind of almost like a greatest hits. Oh yeah. Yeah. Record. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Um, and so we released that and there's actually, uh, four unreleased. Well, not the release now, but there were four brand new songs, um, on that record. I think there's 20 songs altogether. 
Um, 16 of them were songs from all of our previous releases. Um, and then there's four new ones. Um, and it was fun doing that one because we got to re-record some right. old songs. Like we, we, we re-recorded somewhere on Fullerton. We re-recorded, um, radio player, um, some of those older songs. It was kind of, kind of neat to, to, to re-record and do those. Um, but so Alistair isn't, I mean, we're still writing songs and we're still demoing songs and oh, we're cool. hoping um to put out an, another record um, awesome probably next year maybe um we do a lot of touring in japan uh because for whatever reason we do very well over there yeah like even um, still currently yeah oh wow yeah so we're hoping we can put out a new record um at least sometime soon once the once the pandemic is over we're hoping that we can get back over there with a new at least a new ep yeah um or a new record um and then I also play um, in another band called Hot Alice that's kind of more of a, has a little more of a rock and roll flavor to it. Um, more like a Foo Fighters-ish, um, kind of punk rock, kind of pop rock, kind of just straight up rock and roll. Um, we got the, we put out an EP. Um, it's on Apple Music. It's on Spotify. You can go check it out. It's on Bandcamp. Awesome, man. Um, and so we're, you know, I, I write songs for that band too. I've got just loads of new demos that I'm working through trying to figure out, you know, song structures and what song would be best for which band. And so we got tons of material. We just need to kind of sort through it and actually, you know, uh, find some time to record um, and do it. Yeah. So well, that's awesome. I would, you can definitely look for, new music from uh at least one of the bands that i'm in either alistair or hot alice uh at some point probably in the next year for sure yeah well that's awesome you're still able to you know connect with with a group of guys and and be creative and put music out and are you finding that you know or maybe like what is inspiring you to to still create now like you know compared to 15 20 years ago are you finding that different things are inspiring you to create and make music you know, in this day and age versus, you know, when you're kind of first going? I find that I'm listening to more, uh, a, a bigger variety of bands. Um, you know, I think when, when Alistair was touring back in the day, like between, you know, 1996 and 2006, you know, I listened to pretty much one type of music, you know, it was like punk rock. It was like the Ramones. It was, uh you know screeching weasel the teen idols the queers like that was the kind of stuff that i loved yeah there was other bands that i really liked too and i would listen to other music um but i think as i get older i'm really trying to to make more of an effort to listen to a wider variety of bands um you know whether it's you know like country whether it's electronic dance music whether it's pop whether it's you know rock whatever it is, uh, folk music, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to get into a lot of different musical genres, um, just to kind of help, you know, expand the ideas that I can come up with and the songs that I can write. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. That makes me excited to, to hear what you're working on. And yeah, well, thanks so much, Tim, for, for taking the time to talk and and connect and share about these records. I, I love getting to hear, you know, stories from, 
you know, from guys like you that were there when it was happening, you know, it's, uh, that's really, it adds a whole different dimension of, you know, of a love for an album, even if it's not my own experience, even just hearing, hearing yours, it's like, oh man, that's, that's really cool. That would have, I wonder how that would affect it in my love for this record if I had had those experiences. So yeah, yeah. I really, sure. really appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with us today. So thanks so much. Yeah. No worries.